Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phones. One of our favorite contributors, and certainly one that covers hunting more than anyone else on this show, uh, in addition to fishing, uh, Mr. Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing well, but Nate, it's almost a month till the first big game season. Why do I have to get ready now? <laughs> you know, it, every year I, I think it, you hear more and more people. I think as, as life is crazier and even, you know, maybe it's slowed down this year, but uh, it's unbelievable how I would say hunting season always seems to creep up. You know, it seems like we get so much uh, spring-like weather, you know, in May and early June that people don't really realize, you know, they don't feel like summer's coming until June. Um, and all of a sudden we're scouting for hunting and everybody's like, man, summer just started. How is this possible? But uh, it is definitely the case. And we are less than a month from pronghorn. Uh, you know, Archie Pronghorn, which has become one of the, the bigger seasons here in Colorado. You know, we have a lot of availability of tags, um, you know, and it's one of those things that whether you just love the aspect of pronghorn or you love the aspect of getting out and hunting before maybe some of the other big game seasons, kind of as a warm-up hunt. Um, but either way, it, it's becoming a very popular hunt. And, uh, again, we're less than a month away, so it is time to be scouting. It's time to be setting blinds. It's time to be finding water holes, um, you know, painting decoys you know looking for your your tactics of how you're going to hunt these um so yeah we are in full swing you know we have some sheep season starting here in just a couple weeks um and yeah it is uh it is a full swing into hunting mode so we're excited to get ready for it now as an archery hunter i know you hunt with a rifle also but you really love archery hunting now with the rifles we've been talking a little bit about if you need to buy a firearm you should do it now because there's looking like a shortage and ammunition we're recommending that you buy a rifle that uses a very common caliber because there's an ammunition shortage. So you want to make sure you're prepared. What's the status of uh, arrows, broadheads, things like that? First of all, I know you're going to talk to us about selection, but is supply influencing that at all? You know, right now I would say we're we're pretty good, but I wouldn't say we're great. Um, you know, obviously I think that there we're having a big boost in the archery, you know, sales as far as bows go and broadheads and accessories and everything that goes with it. Um, the biggest shortage is I think that the the general concept of how you fletch arrows um, and how you build more on the arrow side. Um, you know, I'm good friends with the guys at Gold Tip, and they had to, you know, change the way that they run their factory due to social distancing. So arrows definitely got slowed down. So right now, um, it seems like we're good, but again, it's really the next six weeks where archery sales, you know, in the past decade have really exploded, and that's really their busy time. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I know that I just ordered six dozen arrows, and it took, you know, a little bit longer to get these arrows than it normally does. Um, just for, again, for, for things just slowing down a little bit. So right now I'd say the supplies are pretty good, uh, but it's hard to say if that will last. So, again, um, you know, if you're an archery hunter, hopefully you already have some arrows, hopefully you're starting. If not, um, now is definitely the time to get those just in case you, uh, you, you need to 
allow some time to to get the product that you really need and really that shoots well out of your bow. And, you know, selecting the right arrow is very much uh, just like the right bullet. I think so many people put influence on their bow and not as much influence on the arrow. I mean, you know, there's so many hunters, you know, an arrow is an arrow. And it's unbelievable how your shooting ability can change by having the right setup. And I see this time and time again to where, you know, I'll be at the, the local range or like Bear Creek Lake Park where they have an archery range or an indoor range, like recommended specialty gear. And you'll see guys shooting and, you know, their groups are kind of all over the place and, you know, they're thinking they're just a bad shooter. There's something wrong with their bow. Um, when in reality, so much of that, that smaller stuff can come in to, to even your arrow selection, you know, just making sure that everything's aligned on the spline of the arrow or you have the right weight or, you know, flexibility, obviously, stiffness of the arrow, um, you know, front of center weight, broadhead weight, all that kind of stuff comes into play to having the right rig. Um, so that's one of those things that, you know, if you're not shooting to what you think is that capability, if you are going out to the range it takes you a while to dial in um now is the time to go out there make sure your bow is tuned make sure you have the right arrow you know combination the right weight um to shoot out of your bow accurately um and one of the biggest things that i tell myself right now i was just talking to a friend about this the other day um to, to all the viewers right now or all the listeners that are archery hunters if you go to the range right now and you say okay the furthest i would shoot in a hunting situation is whatever 20 yards 40 yards whatever that range is if you go out to that range and you come off of that target just a little bit because nothing's perfect in the woods so if you say your maximum yardage is 40 yards i want you to step back to like 37 and if you take that shot at 37 is your first arrow hitting where you want it to would it hit the animal in the vitals um i don't really care about arrow three four five six that doesn't matter. I care about the first arrow that you fire every day that you go to the range. Um, and I ask yourself, is that arrow dialed in? If it's not, now is the time to fix that. Because you, in the woods, you're not going to get arrow four, five, six. You get that one shot, and we work so hard for that one shot. So I encourage everybody to think about that. Put yourself in kind of an awkward situation. Don't go to perfectly 40 because we, we know that we can hit at 40. Go to 36. Go to 42 off your range just a little bit and take one shot and ask yourself would that shot have been a successful shot in the field and if you're not getting that right answer now is the time to make sure that everything is dialed in get the right gear tune the bow make sure your arrows are are perfect um and that's going to help you again create more successes coming fall well, you know another thing we talk about every year too is once you're on the static range and you are dialed in or feel like you're dialed in spend some time on some of these 3D ranges that Parks and Wildlife has throughout the state because you're not going to take that shot standing in a perfect stance with everything right. You're going to be in some awkward positions, right? And the animal, will be turned, the, anim, the animal will be turned sideways sometimes at an angle to you. I mean, that's it. Knowing what you are capable of as a shooter, you know, if that animal is quartering away, and obviously your your shot placement goes from, you know, say a three to five inch circle is all of a sudden now limited down to a two inch circle. You know, can you take that shot? Can you make that shot? Um, angles is the biggest thing. I had a sheep tag a couple of years ago, and it literally was the biggest eye-opening experience uh, of my entire outdoor history. You know, I, I guided hunts for 10 years. Um, I mean, I've been an avid hunter since I could walk. I, I live in the woods. I mean, I spend hundreds of days. You know, I think I had 120-something days in the field hunting. Um, I mean, I live to hunt, and I can tell you that 
shooting at severe angles is something that I never grasped. You know, I could shoot the normal 25, 30 degrees, a tree stand style shot, and I was fine. Um, when all of a sudden I pushed that to, to steeper angles, the bottom fell out and everything changed. And again, it's one of those things that I, I never prepared for. Um, so now, since I learned that lesson, when I practice, I practice everything. I practice shooting in heavy winds, you know, severe up and down angles. I, you know, I practice just everything you can possibly encounter in the woods just so you're prepared. We work so hard to get that one shot. When I do get that one shot, I want to make sure I can capitalize. And there's a lot of little things that go into it. And you're talking about quartering away or talking about windy conditions um you know that's when having the right arrow set up because we get a lot of questions about this you know, if you just go hey i shoot you know 70 pounds i'm a 30 inch draw you know, i'm gonna shoot a you know this length whatever you know i'm gonna shoot a 300 you know splined arrow um you know all of this type of stuff on a calm condition at the range at 40 yards i can shoot 10 different arrows and they're all going to fire the same and they're going to be you know very you know static but all of a sudden you start going into angles you start going into hey as i as i shoot an elk and i hit a rib and i get deflection is that arrow going to continue straight as i shoot in the wind do i have a stabilized arrow um so in the calm normal situations a lot of the gear that we shoot is good but when you push the envelope and you're shooting in wind shooting in rain shooting at a quartering away animal that's when all of a sudden everything falls off and that's where you really want to think about the situations that you're getting in and know that your equipment performs so for me personally you know i'm shooting a, a, a bowtech revolt bow it's a very fast bow very you know energy it's, it's a very strong bow we'll call it um and with that i have some room to to lose some speed everybody wants speed but we're going to face it we're not whitetail hunters um or you know not, we're not all sitting in a tree stand you know most of us are shooting pronghorn mule deer elk bear um and not a lot of these animals are notorious for jumping the string they can do it don't get me wrong but it's not that situation where i would say speed um is as vital as as having a little bit more weight to your arrow you want a little bit more energy going through that arrow so for me personally as a western hunter i'm shooting a heavier arrow i'm putting more weight on the front of my arrow so my front of center is fairly high um and i actually slow my arrow down by shooting a four-fletched uh you know, fletching instead of a three fletch because I want to stabilize my arrow. So by shooting a heavier grain arrow, by shooting more weight up front, by shooting a four fletch on the back, I can shoot through a 25, 30 mile an hour wind, have a very stable arrow, and I can hit on point. Um, I don't get drifting from that by shooting too light of an arrow. By shooting a lot of weight up front, when I make contact on that animal, my arrow goes straight. I don't get any deflection because I have enough mass behind my arrow. Um, and those are the type of things that a lot of hunters overlook. They're like, hey, I don't want to shoot that extra weight. It's going to slow me down. But in reality, I, I had a terrible situation we've talked about in the radio before where i had deflection on an arrow um and it caused me to lose an animal and as far as shooting ability goes i hit the animal perfect but because my arrow deflected i didn't have a good shot so ever since then i've put a lot more you know emphasis on my arrow setup and how i build my arrows to where i make sure when i release that arrow in the field it is going to do its job and put that animal on the ground so those are the type of things that right now this isn't overnight you know 
when you're building arrows, it's one of those things that I, you know, I put some weight up front and I go shoot it, see how it flies. And I play with my fletchings and I see how they fly. Um, it might take a while to build the perfect arrow for a hunting situation. Um, and those are the things that you need to do now uh, so you can prepare for the upcoming hunt. Because, again, in the perfect situation, a lot of the gear works good. But let's face it, when we're out in the field, it's definitely not always perfect. We're low light, we're wind, we're angles, our yardage is off. So you need to make sure that you can perform in those situations and not just the perfect situation. All right, Nate, we got some good weather coming up the next week. You know, we get our afternoon storms, but I'm not going to let you go without letting me know if you were going fishing over the next few days, where would you go? You know, Terry, it's a great year. And, you know, to be honest with you, we talk about, you know, what conditions are. There's a lot of anglers that love, you know, high water fishing. Um, you know, we're pretty hot. We're obviously getting some rain now. But I would say the the water levels are normal, if not maybe a hair low. And it really causes for some great fishing. Um, so shallow water you know, boating and or wade fishing uh, in the South Park area and taro and spinny. Um, you know, whether if you're a, a conventional tackle guy, burning spoons, burning tube digs, very, very heavy reaction trout baits with spinning gears, catching those fish in two to five feet of water. Um, there's a fly rod bite stripping streamers, particularly damsels uh, with a fly rod in low light periods, especially early and late in the day in shallow water. Um, that is just tremendous. So big trout in shallow water is something I would definitely hit right now um that, that's just a great bite and then i think the the oddball fish right now is one of those things that i love this time of year our catfish are just starting to go strong we never really talk about it on the show uh my kids have really been wanting to catch some catfish so we've been doing some catfishing uh the catfish bite again you know very low light we're fishing in the dark uh but those fish are in shallow water and absolutely very aggressive uh you know the carp fishing right now fly rod and conventional tackle is, is blowing up so there's a lot of opportunities right now for some great fishing if people want to get a hold of you, where do they do it? Absolutely. Go to Tightline Outdoors on Facebook. That's probably the most current information that we do. We have fishing reports and kind of everything that we're doing. So go to tightlineoutdoors.com, uh, and we'll get you informed there. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. All right, Nate Zielinski, great, great contributor. We're going to take a time out, and we're going to talk more fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You gotta help me make a stand. James Taylor. What an icon. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. And let's go right to the phones because joining us from the Jack's Outdoors right here in Fort Collins is Dave Gross. Good morning, Dave. Hi, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing great. We got it's gonna be a little warm today. You know, people are just getting outside, Dave, and they're they're coming to Jackson buying stuff. I could see that. You guys have been busy. But you and I had a talk earlier this week that, you know, we tend sometimes to talk to the sophisticated angler a little more. But we've got a lot of people out there who are just casual anglers. They may be first-time anglers this year, or they're getting back to it. And sometimes we don't spend enough time on those opportunities, and especially this time of the year. You know, it can be a little hot out in a boat. Uh, sometimes it takes a little more sophisticated presentation to chase the walleyes and some of those things. But you can have a great time this year going a little bit up in altitude and going after trout or going after the panfish in some of the lower lakes. And I know I know you enjoy that too, right? I do, yes. And it's just uh, you guys got some really good things. And uh, we talked about some of the presentations. You know, one thing we didn't talk about that we should bring up, 
a lot of these newer anglers, well, even experienced anglers, if they would go to a bobber and live bait, they would just catch a lot of fish. And you guys really carry a great selection of live bait, don't you? Yes, we've got mealworms, a couple different sizes of night crawlers, uh, leeches when they're in season, uh, fathead minnows, shiner minnows. There's actually a shortage of shiners at the time being because of all the bad weather they've had down in the southwest where the fish farms are. Um, so we're probably going to get to a point where there's only going to be fathead minnows available in Colorado. And then, you know, when you move on from bait, if you want to, if you don't want to care for live bait, um, there's some products. And one product you and I have both fished with, of course, is the Berkeley Power Bait for Trout. But then the Berkeley Gulp products for panfish and trout, um, you're trying to keep them in stock. They're selling pretty good, but they're just really effective baits, aren't they? Yeah, the Gulp, all the Gulp, I love it. Fish it all the time get kids to fish with it because it's nice and easy to fish with and they don't have to worry about keeping the worms cold and just there in a jar or in a bag and it's ready to go and it's got a lot of scent and fish like it well we talked a little bit about the gulp you and i both use those little jars of gulp and of course you've got the gulp minnows too in the bags we heard uh we heard earlier in the program ronnie talking about using that gulp minnow to catch a lot of trout and i've caught trout on that but panfish and trout up in the mountains uh the the gulp gives off a lot of scent and so does the power bait and if you're not really well versed in making a presentation or if you just want to kind of get a line out there and under a bobber or on the bottom uh it's a great way to fish it's also a great way if you to tip a lure or a jig but one of the things i like to do if i'm going up in the mountains like after trout or something uh i might throw out some power bait or some gulp on a bobber or on a bottom rig to give off scent. Now, you, legally, you can't chum in Colorado, but you can have a scented bait in a lot of waters. Well, then I have a second rod stamp, and I like to throw a little spinner or spoon around that bait because the trout will be swimming in around that scent and really can make a difference. I know I know you just got a big shipment of Panther Martin spinners in. They've been kind of hard to come by, haven't they? They have. They have. So, so what kind of size and colors do you have there? Oh, we've got the little bit of everything, but we've got the we've still got some of the um, popular ones: the yellow with the orange dot, yellow with the black dot, different colored blades from the yellow dotted blades to gold blades. And then um, we've got another order on its way in to fill in all the other empty spots. And Panther Martin's actually been doing good on shipping. And they're great lures to use. In fact, I um I did a couple shows on my YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, and one of them I did at um, Lon Hagler for trout using a little Panther Martin spinner. And then another one I did up at North Michigan Reservoir. And I know you like to go up into that area and do some fishing like Chambers and Joe Wright Reservoir. And you can go up those places with either fishing from shore or a fly uh, Joe Wright's really a little gem. I know you like to fish it with a fly rod, but isn't that a great place to go? It is. It is. Um, flying a bubble works great if you don't have a fly rod. Small number two Panther Martins or any other kind of spinner that's small. The grayling have that small mouth, so you got to fish something that they can they can get a hold of. They'll attack. Yeah, and that's. 
Oh, and it's an unusual um, fish. I mean, there's only a very few lakes in Colorado that have grayling, and it's great fishing from shore or if you get out in a float tube or a kayak or a canoe. Um, Joe Wright is really great fishing up there and catching those. I know you like a fly rod. I like a fly rod if I'm out in the lake, but I like what you mentioned, the fly in the bubble, and I've had really great success with uh, some little green caddis nymphs and some caddis on the surface, too. And, you know, if you're going up there with a fly rod, you have all the flies right there at Jack's, too, right? We do. And um, just like you said, caddis, prince nymphs, small hoppers, small caddis dry flies. This time of year, if you're up at the where the Joe Wright Creek runs in, PMDs are hatching, yellow sallies are hatching, and those will float into the lake, and the fish will be eating them. And and then if you don't want to fish the grayling, you're not very far from Chambers and you're not very far from North Michigan, which both have great shore fishing for trout. I want to get back to the fly fishing a little bit, and that's the fact that we've talked about the conventional fishing, the baits you guys have, the rods and reels. We talked a few weeks ago about getting a, picking out a rod and reel. But you also have the same ability to do that for fly fishermen. If I'm a new fly angler and I want to do the fly fishing instead of conventional, how much money do I have to spend to get started at your store? We have the uh, Reddington Path Combo, which is a really nice rod and reel, and it's only $200. It's the case, rod, reel, fly line. There's a 9-foot 5X leader attached to that. So then you just need flies, spend Twelve fifteen dollars on flies. We've got our ninety nine cent flies. Buy some floatant for three to four dollars. Um, an extra spool of five x tippet, and you're just about ready to go. Especially if you've already got nippers and hemostats, and so you can you can get into fly fishing for well less than three hundred dollars and get and, good, and you're good gear. And you're talking about, yeah, really good gear. The Reddington stuff is top shelf. And, you know, right now I know everybody eventually they want to get a nice pair of waders and all that. But right now, with as warm as it is, it's a great time to wet wade or fish from shore. You don't necessarily have to get in the, get a pair of waders to start, do you? You don't. You don't. Wear your sandals or wear boots that you're not too worried about them getting wet or just tennis shoes. Um just some of the sections of river, you just got to, if you're not wearing waders, just got to make sure you keep your feet under you. Yeah, you know what? In fact, what I do is I get a pair of neoprene socks and I put my wading shoes on because they grip the bottom so much better. Right. Yep. And I'll do that a lot. And you can just, especially in the shallow parts of the rivers, it's actually kind of refreshing. So any yeah, last minute places, if you were going to head out fishing maybe in the next few days, where would you go? I was going to the mountains. Joe Wright's a lot of fun. Um, there's still fish up in the creek, but a lot of them are moving back out of the creek, so you'll catch some of those bigger grayling in the lake itself. Um, just remember, you can't use bait there. It's flies and lures only. Chambers has been really good in the early in the day and in the evening. During the middle of the day, using power bait, doe bait, or crawlers. Um, I haven't heard much about Michigan Lake lately, but Usually it's still pretty good even in July and August. Uh, up there at Delaney Buttes and Lake John, that's been hit and miss. Uh, the evening bite's been good, and fishing past past dark has been good. And I think uh, 
some of the lower lakes, too. I went out and checked and got it. You and I talked about it. I took a plastic worm and went out and got a few bass, which were pretty easy to catch in the ponds with a small plastic worm. But I saw a lot of panfish activity. So I think there's still a lot of panfish available in the ponds, don't you? Yeah, there are. Um, crappie have slowed down, but the bluegill and sunfish are doing great. And the largemouth are aggressive. Um, any time of the day. Evenings have been best with top waters, but you can work the worms and the Z-Man plastics and the power bait plastics and fish a slower presentation around the weed beds and then the little channels between the weed beds, and you're going to catch bass. All right, my friend. Well, we were out of time, but if people want more information or to get some of the things we talked about, they can just come and see you. You're, are you at the store all day today? I'll be here till 5 o'clock today. But, uh, all right, and, of course, there's always somebody there to help you, and they're all knowledgeable anglers. And you're located, uh, tell people where Jackson, Fort Collins, is located. We're 1200 North College, so we are a little bit over a mile north of the Poudre River on the all right, right my side, which would be the east side of the road. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, thank you, Terry. Good fishing. You bet. You bet. That's uh, Dave Gross from uh, Jackson, Fort Collins. Of course, they have stores in Loveland, Lafayette, Broomfield, Cheyenne, and great personnel to help you. We're going to take a quick time out. We'll have more outdoors on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, which is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Lay, lady, lay, lay across my big breast bed. A fellow that we shared the same hometown in high school, Robert Zimmerman. You would probably know him as Bob Dylan, but a tremendous influence on my younger life when I was in music. All right. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. And, you know, we talk about the hunting and fishing. Do you know Jack's Outdoor Gear has a tremendous section just set up for grilling if you listen to this you know our show you know i do a lot of cooking outdoors on my grill and jack's just has everything you need for a successful grilling season so next time you're near one of their stores stop in and check it out a couple things i want to talk to you about um first youtube we talked about the pooter the big thompson today we talked about some other uh, reservoirs joel wright reservoir north michigan lawn Hagler. If you go to my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, you'll find that I have videos covering all those locations that cover a lot of the ways to fish it and how we fished it and how we were successful. You know, we did 22 seasons on television, and we did two shows, Mountain States Fishing and Angling Adventures. And Mountain States Fishing was filmed mostly right here in our backyard, so about half the show's on my YouTube channel, were filmed very close by. Now, if you're looking for a destination when things loosen up for travel, we did shows in Alaska and Canada and Mexico and the Bahamas, Costa Rica. You can see those, but there's a lot right here. So if you're looking to get started fishing or a few tips on where to go or how to fish right here, go to The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom on YouTube, and you can pick up a lot of that information. And follow us on Facebook. Our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, we post a lot of the podcasts from this show there that we, we want to give you repeated access to. Now, you can always get the podcast going to uh, 1043thefan.com and going to my page. But a lot of ones, we just think they stand out, so we post them there. We also try to stay up on current issues in the outdoors, talk about guests that are coming up. And we also uh, 
we're going to start doing trivia again very soon. I'm lining up prizes. And when we do that, the answer to the trivia question is always posted on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors Facebook page the week before we do the question. So you have a heads up to get an answer. So it's a great reason to follow us on Facebook. The last thing I want to talk about before we go to a break, and then Chad's going to join us, Chad Lachance, and we're going to talk about uh, – we're going to talk about fishing, falling water, and reservoirs, and that's respect for the outdoors. We have a lot of people getting into the outdoors, and everybody wants to get out, and I know it's been crowded, but please be aware of staying on trails, not parking in non-parking areas. A lot of the areas in Colorado are beautiful, but they're very delicate. They can get disrupted. If you get above the tree line in the tundra and you're walking off the trails or parking off the road you can decimate areas that could take decades to grow back we want this here to all enjoy if a place is really busy i know it's frustrating but try to find another place to recreate and be considerate of each other no matter what activities you're enjoying because there's room for all of us out there we just have to do it in a good way we're going to take a quick time out and we come back chad lachance is going to join us here and we're going to talk about Fishing, falling water, and reservoirs. All that and more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I spent last night in the arms of a girl in Louisiana. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones and joining us as he does uh, every other week at this time from the fishful thinker chad lachance good morning chad hey good morning terry how are you this morning you know i'm doing great it's going to hit almost 100 but it's going to be down in the 80s and uh, monday and tuesday and you know this is warm weather this time of the year but it's dry it's great to get out in colorado one thing that's going on chad though and it happens almost every year our reservoirs start going down because that we're getting draws of water for agriculture, for lawns, and the flows have stopped coming out of the mountains pretty much. And some are even being drawn down further because there's work going to be done. So this moves the fish. So should I just quit fishing and wait till the water stabilizes or comes up, or what should I do? Yeah, absolutely, Terry. In fact, you should just go ahead and bring your boat over to my house and leave it here and, uh, and your tackle. Uh, yeah, just quit. <laughs> just quit biting when the water drops. Uh, you know, jokes aside, the... It's one of the most common things we hear every year. Oh, man, is the water up? Oh, good, I'm going to come fish. And the reality of the situation is the falling water, like you said, is normal here. It's normal up and down the front range. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you're talking about Pueblo Reservoir or Horsetooth or Carter Lake or Boyd Lake or whichever ones you're talking about. They all fluctuate some. And, uh, and the falling water, it affects the anglers, you know, kind of like clouds. It affects anglers more than it, than it affects the fish. And, but having said that, you still have to approach it a little bit different. And, uh, you know, you have to adjust your techniques and your locations to, to deal with the water levels that are coming down. And as you alluded to, there are some repairs. Horses Reservoir, our home reservoir, and one of the most popular ones in the state, uh, is being drawn all the way down for uh, for some repairs to the outlet this year. So here before very long, the the lake will be very, very low, and that condenses all the fish and uh, changes the angling, but it certainly doesn't make them uncatchable, uh, you know. But there's some key parts to it, and one of those that I think people need to remember is going to happen is the water is going to get muddy. And that's not intuitive, but when the banks have been flooded for a long time, whether you be here or at Carter Lake, wherever, 
when the banks have been flooded, they get wet and soggy and whatever. And then as the water comes down, the water that the surface of the water is, is now disrupting all that mud. So you get boats running up and down the lake. You get a breeze like we have today. And pretty soon the whole lake is muddy colored. It's kind of nice and clear like it is when it's full. And, uh, and so that's one change that's going to change things. It's going to you know, affect things is the fact that the water's not clear. The, the other thing is as the water drops, the fish realize it's dropping. They know it, and they will have a serious propensity for being near steeper banks or with more immediate access to deeper water because they don't want to get caught a long ways from, from deep water. And that's always the case to some degree, but it's really the case when the water's dropping as fast as it is. And to give the audience some kind of an idea, horse has dropped seven feet since July 6th. So it's dropping a lot, and it's going to continue to drop. And when it's dropping at that rate, it's going to change how the fish position. And, it, and, I'm, and I'm referencing all of the fish, not just some of them. It's not like just the walleyes or just the bass. All of the fish in the lake are going to stay away from long stretches of shallow water. They're going to be closer to deeper water, and they're probably going to be, which is counterintuitive, a little bit shallower because of the dirt in the water. They don't get near the light penetration, so they potentially can be higher in the water column as well, which is something else to be considered. Well, and at times, I think, as this water pulls away and we get a more active bait fish, I I tend to see sometimes the fish suspend off the shore a little bit too. Do you see that happening, or are you still able to catch them right on structure? No, absolutely. They'll they'll pull off and suspend what we mean by that is they're just they're not sitting on the bottom they're not on the top they're somewhere in the middle of the water column uh and not necessarily relating what i find is when the water gets muddy they tend to suspend over the top of stuff as opposed to uh along the side of stuff for whatever reason so when, when, for instance here at horses we'll talk about that because it's where i live the hump there's a bunch of humps and ridges all around the lake that either stick out into the lake or that are fully submerged when the water is stained like it is right now, we're only looking at maybe a foot and a half of visibility, uh, if that, the fish will sit on top of stuff very commonly as opposed to up against the side of it. And, uh, and so they're suspended just deep enough to keep the sunlight out of their eyes, but they're not all the way down on the bottom like they would be if the water was really clear. Now, how do you approach these fish? What kind of presentations do you like to go after them with? And it's going to vary by species and by lake, obviously, but... Talk horse tooth and maybe talk some generalities. Yeah, for sure by species. So for a couple things, first of all, when the water gets more discolored like it is, I tend to fish either real bright colored baits like a chartreuse or a fire tiger, or I will fish really dark bait or a white bait. So there's a white, a black, or a really bright color. I'm not fishing my natural colors. I'm not fishing my traditional shad patterns and stuff like that. I'm not fishing translucent baits or anything like that. I'm not fishing my normal smelt colored bait. You know, I'll be fishing one that's chartreuse over white or fire tiger or black shad, something like that, to, to brighten the colors. The other thing I'll consider doing with the stain in the water is adding some vibration, something like a beetle spin arm or something like that to my presentation, or a little bit of straight stuff to pick up the, you know, the either a blade that's white on one side and chrome on the other or something like that to give me some flash so that the fish can locate my bait easier. So that's one of the things, and that will be across all species. It doesn't matter if I'm dealing with bass or walleyes or trout. Uh, the brighter colors or the flash, the vibration will help them locate your bait in the stained water scenario. And keep in mind, we are in a peak summer feeding thing, so the fish want to feed. They just need to locate your lure to do it. 
And then the other thing that I'll do, uh, because of the fact that fish may be suspended, is we'll fish baits with really, really, really good depth control. So now's when we start looking at maybe a drop shot bait, uh, or we'll suspend something under a topwater bait. That's another possibility. Uh, is to, but we want really good depth control. And the reason being is if you're seeing a lot of fish that are on your graph that are higher than one of you suspect they are, you don't want to be fishing under them. So I don't want to be putting a jig down that's hard to keep control of, of the depth. So I'll, I'll work higher in the column. Uh, and I'm not going to be working very many real erratic baits this time of year. And anyone that's a fan of fishful thinker knows I do a lot of real erratic stuff. But it's hard for fish to get clean bites on that. When uh, when the water stayed and when you're up in the water column, it's really hard to keep presentations that can vary in depth. In other words, if, if I need a bait that's 15 feet down, it's hard to keep a bait that's that's horizontal and erratic right there. So again, I'll, I'll end up being doing something a little bit more vertical to presentation. But at the end of the day, the fish are feeding most of the time, even in the heat right now, and it's just a matter of keeping mix up, make sure they can locate your presentation and don't get below them. So what if um, we got a couple minutes? If you were gonna head out in these northern lakes, Boyd, Carter, Horsetooth, or we got some really beautiful weather coming up. It's gonna be warm. Uh, some of it's almost better from shore because you don't have to be out in a hot boat. But boat gives you access to get around to where these fish are at. Where are a couple places yep. you're gonna probably go in the next few days? Well, I'm for sure going to Boyd. Um, I've been to Boyd several times recently, and Boyd Lake is is coming down, same thing. And so if, let's say, they were a bass guy and you were there and all the bushes were flooded, well, guess what? They're not now, or they're not, not very, very, very few of them. So now, Boyd, you're dealing with, again, the offshore stuff. And in the case of Boyd, that's going to be typically aquatic vegetation. There's not a tremendous amount of structure in Boyd. And uh, and having been running around the other day and looking at the graph, there was a lot of fish sitting just off the bottom in, in the 15 to 18 foot range. I didn't fish for them. We were specifically looking for, for full grown largemouth, so I wasn't looking for them. But just watching my graph, I know there was a bunch of fish sitting out off the bottom, and they're sitting again up off the bottom. The water's definitely more discolored than it was a week ago. And as it gets deeper or as it drops more and more the vegetation is going to get thicker and thicker that the american pondweed that grows in there and also that's going to hold some fish so i'll probably be fishing the edges of that vegetation at boy but just it's a very productive fishery horse tooth is kind of in a transition stage right now i'd give it another week before i was going out here and the reason being is the trees and little bushes are now coming out of the water but the fish are just really moving to their what i would consider late summer stuff so uh, give that one a week would be my thoughts, but uh, I'm going to Boyd. All right, my friend, we're going to let you go. But if you uh, if you had to, uh, if people need to get a hold of you or they want to get more information from you, how do they find you? Yeah, fishfulthinker.com, of course, and on our social media at fishfulthinker across all platforms. And I want to let people know too for our fishfulthinker YouTube channel, uh, we're joining from all subscribers that are in that channel. July 22nd, we're giving away Abu Garcia Revo EXD casting reel. All you have to be is a subscriber at 3 p.m. in the afternoon on July 22nd. We're going to draw from those. So, but yeah, if they want to get a hold of us, fishfulthinker.com or any of the social media at fishfulthinker. All right. Thank you, Chad. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Terry. Have a great day. You bet. Chad Lachance from Fishful Thinker. We're going to start wrapping it up. I want to talk a little bit about a few places you can go um, You can go fishing yourself. Uh, I went out. I went out. I went out a little bit myself and checked some of the ponds for bass. Uh, 
you know, I could take my boat out, and it's hot some days. Some days I just want to run and fish for a couple hours. A lot of small ponds. Right now, I can take a four-inch plastic worm, put it on, on a, about a two-odd hook, unweighted, and just drag around right in the weeds on most of these ponds and catch a number of bass. And while I did that, I spooked out a lot of uh, panfish, and those panfish would be readily available under a bobber with some bait or some gulp. So there's opportunities really close to home to get out and take advantage of that. I'll post some of this on our Facebook page, uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And a lot of the stuff we covered today is on our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. And speaking of the best, I think we should find out if the best sports, I don't know what you are. You're a sports legend. Icon? Well, I, 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 you know, Dan Jacobs, I was trying to think of the right word. When I said best, I ran, my vocabulary ran out. So, but no, well, all kidding aside. Well, well, Terry, I was going to say, I'm glad you're bringing back the trivia for prices and stuff, because if I recall correctly, last time you had trivia, I was dominant, dominating that. And I was expecting to get like a knife out of it or something. But so I'm glad that you're coming back. You're bringing the trivia back. You're bringing the prizes back. And I'm going to get in the mix. Well, yeah, but you're not eligible. What? Oh, no. Read my lips. Can you see me? You're not eligible. <laughs> Dan, you, hey. Dan, you won an extra minute with Terry. That's right. Yeah, you, maybe two. So, <laughs> hey, hey, Dan, one thing I seriously do want to talk to you about, I'm watching all the pro sports trying to start up, you know, all of them, really. They're either starting or getting ready for camps. And we're already seeing, like, UNC at co- and college sports, and we're already saw UNC shut down their practice because of COVID. I'm really holding my breath on some of these sports. How optimistic are you about some of the sports? I'm not very optimistic as far as college sports go and college football. Uh, they're trying. They're doing their best to cobble together some sort of season for college football. When the commissioner of the SEC comes out and also the Notre Dame athletic director make comments that it's they're running out of time, that they just don't see it. You know, they have, they're having a difficulty you know, making decisions on it. I don't think we're going to see college football, and I don't think it makes sense for us to see college football. The pro sports, they're going to give it a go. They're all going to give it a go. Now, if they can finish their seasons, that's, that remains to be seen. Um, but it, they're at least going to try. Now, college sports, I think they're in serious jeopardy for the season. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go. What are we? Anything in particular people need to be listening for as you get into your show? Yeah, we're going to have. Uh, well, we're going to see if the NFL. We're going to have DMAC on, and we're going to have uh, James Merrill. We're going to see if the NFL is heading towards an MLB type uh, disaster with their players' association. We'll get to that coming up here in just a little bit. All right. Well, we're going to wrap things up. And Terry works from outdoors. We want to thank. Um, Kyle in the studio for keep going. I'm in my uh, studio at home, and Karen is the go-between. And between the two of them, they keep me on the air and keep me online here. Thanks them, and thank all of you for listening. Join us next week on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Yeah.